Welcome, everyone, and thank you all for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for November 30th, 2022. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Most merciful and all-knowing God, we come to you today as broken sinners in need of a Savior, whether we acknowledge it or not. Through your word, help open our eyes and our hearts to see the need for a Savior. As we meditate on your word, help us to see your plan of salvation and redemption unfold in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. We lift up this prayer in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right, so today we're going to begin with a reading from Psalm 51. And before I start, I want to share something I recently learned. What most people call a hymnal, we Lutherans call the Lutheran service book. It includes worship, service liturgy, as well as hymns. Do you know what the number of the first hymn is? I did not know the answer or why until a friend of mine recently pointed out the other day. It begins with hymn number 151. The reason, you might ask, well, there are 150 psalms in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and this is a continuation of the psalms in the Bible. Most of the psalms in the Bible fall into the literary category of poetry, and the majority are also prayers and most all of them would have been sung. So as I said, I'm going to start with reading Psalm 51, verse 1 through 12. Now as I'm reading this, I want you to ponder who could have written it and what this individual was asking forgiveness for. Here is the reading. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me, not, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. All right, so if part of this reading sounds familiar to you, it may be because you have heard some of these words sung in one of our offertory hymns. This particular song was written by David. 
and it is a prayer. Was David perfect? Mm, absolutely not. However, our first impression of him may make it look like he was perfect based on his fight and defeat of Goliath. I'm not going to read that account today, but if you would like to, it can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, our next reading will reveal why David was praying and what he was asking forgiveness for. This reading begins in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and continues through chapter 12, verse 14. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David, was, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbath, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, and the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told, Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, Haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men of David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the battle. He instructed the messenger, When you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up and he may ask you, Why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerobaseth, 
Didn't a woman drop an upper millstone on him from the wall, so that he died in Tebez? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this, then say, Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. The messenger set out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. Then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. David told the messenger, Say this to Joab, Don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if all this has been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says, Out of your own household I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. He will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But, because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you, 
will die. Now, I've mentioned in previous podcasts the recurring theme of someone seeing something, liking and desiring something, taking that thing they desire, and ultimately bearing the consequences of those actions. All of that is certainly applies in this story of David and Bathsheba. Now, in verse number one, we learned that springtime was when the kings went off to war. But we also learned that, now remember, David was king, but we also learned that David did not go. He sent Joab instead. What should we read into this? Well, possibly that David wanted to be a winner and be seen as a strong king, but as the saying goes, he did not want to have any skin in the game. In my research for this Bible study and reflection, I came across many sermons and many commentaries that argued David had broken all ten of the original commandments in this story. Well, for sure he broke the fifth commandment in ordering the murder of Uriah, and obviously broke the sixth commandment when he committed adultery, and it could be argued he broke the seventh commandment by stealing another man's wife, the eighth commandment by giving false testimony, and certainly the tenth commandment because he coveted another man's wife. In the theme of seeing something we desire and taking it, in our fleeting pleasure, we often overlook the fact that our actions will have consequences. David certainly must have thought he had gotten away with everything until Nathan confronted him with his story. Chapter 12, verse 1 says that the Lord sent Nathan to David. We certainly cannot hide our sins from God. Obviously, David was eager to judge, but not willing to look in the mirror and recognize his own wrongdoing until Nathan held the mirror up for him. Did the Lord do this out of anger? I would think not. He did it because he loved David. David's response may have been a little late in coming, but as evidenced in Psalm 51, it was heartfelt. This story of David and Bathsheba reminds us of how great men who are called by God are still humans and struggle with sin. The Bible certainly is a unified story that leads to Jesus, and this is yet another story that points out the need for a Savior to wipe away our sin. Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We confess our brokenness and our need for a Savior. We humbly acknowledge that forgiveness and saving grace come in and through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we lift up this prayer. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.